This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Come on, Rudy. Come on. It, we call it the uh, the place. The place to be. Yes, the place to be. Then I shall be. It is contagious. It is the place to be, and we are live each and every Monday. Do you actually need a camera for tout, or is it like part of the program? Um, yeah, I like Big Dick myself. I'm just kidding. Do you listen at all when I speak on the show? Party people in the place to be. Yo, yo, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Nah, place to be is on my side, dude, because you don't want to be the target when I fly the coop. Place to be nation proudly presents a powerful pair of pro wrestling pundits. It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo, and this is the Place to Be podcast. They're in the place to be, and if a sucker step up, then he's bound to get served when the three get bond. Precious word, yo, how they can hurt some really peace, and they got what you can't play. is a thing to say. On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you From the land where palm trees sway Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Place Me Nation, welcome back to the one and only Place Me Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rosero, coming with you here on this Monday inside the PTB studios. And joining me, as always, is my PIC, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, how are you? Good evening, uh, JR, PTB Wrestling Network, friends and family, and the NOSO. Welcome to episode 641 of the longest-running episodic, motherfucking gold. Welcome to our second episode of our New format, Making Towns. We hope you enjoyed the uh, premiere episode a couple weeks ago. We got a lot of good feedback on it. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to keep going with it uh, with a uh, new city today. And uh, JR, all is well with you. We're in the beautiful month of December. We love Christmas. You know us. Yeah, there's uh, a lot going on, of course. It is the holiday season, both uh, in life and also in our podcast world. We have the uh, PTB Christmas extravaganza coming up on Christmas Day. Yes, this is on a Monday, so be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, if you if you're new to this, or if you're just finding us, this this uh, podcast is now simulcast, both audio and video. The audio is on the Place of the Nation Wrestling feed on all podcast apps, and now also available on video on the North South Connection YouTube page and on the Place to Be Nation uh, or Place to Be Place to Be Nation YouTube page. I think it's Place to Be Nation. Yeah. It's so Place uh, search that out. It's available multiple places. Uh, since we're in a new era, we figured we'd mix things up a little bit. So we do have a new guest here tonight. Uh, he is the man behind all of our notes for years. Uh, helps us get the show off the ground, of course. He's uh, helps us a ton on the back end uh, of all projects, really. He also hosts uh, multiple shows and is a guest on multiple shows, uh, Mount, making Mount Rushmore, Extreme Resurrection. So he's all over the place. The one and only Mr. Steve Riddle. Steve, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be here. It's uh, good to be part of this uh, kind of one of the early um, faces of this new concept that you guys have going on. Of course, as the man behind the yeah. notes and the uh, the sweetest man in uh, Place to Be Nation, of course. We love yes. you and uh, <laughs> yes. happy to have you here. So, Steve, why don't we kick things off by you sharing uh, what town you picked to talk about tonight and which match in that town you chose? Yeah, so I thought about it, you know, which town I wanted to do, because I've lived in a bunch of different places um, that have all had great, you know, histories with wrestling, but I figured I eh, might as well just, you know, pick the city that I'm currently living in, um, one that kind of has an unheralded history that I don't think a lot of people realize, um, and that's, of course, the great city of Las Vegas, Nevada, and in terms of the match I picked, um, again, there are so many choices I could have gone with. Um, there have been so many great shows that have happened here. Um, but I did kind of kind of go out, outside the realm here um, and not do like a WWE show. I decided to go with a WCW show. And part of the reason I also picked it was because um, listening to the um, October edition of um, WrestleTracks, that Scott and Greg Diener did. Um, Scott had said that he had wanted to kind of do a particular show because of a particular match he wanted. So I figured, what the hell, we can just do it here. So I ended up going with, from Halloween Havoc 1997, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr., 
cruiserweight title and Ray's mask on the line. Awesome. And this is a pretty legendary match. It's got a great build, uh, all time rivalry between these two guys. And of course, um, this match is, is really, really well regarded in history. Uh, so it's exciting one. It's a great choice. And again, Vegas is a cool town. I, I don't think it's one we would have thought of probably as, as our second town to talk about, but this is one we're going to be covering. But before we get to that, we are going to head back in time. We're going to go to this week in history, October 26, 1997 to November 1st, 1997. And we are going to cover this week in wrestling history. Then we'll get into some pop culture and then we'll come back to 97 and we'll prep to get ready to watch the match together. So, Scott, what was going on in the world of wrestling this week in 97? Any live shows happening we want to cover? Uh, there was actually one uh, house show uh, that took place on this date, uh, October 26th, 1997. Um, it was a WWF show, of course, and it took place at the Exhibition Center in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. Uh, of course, Bushkill, uh, I believe, was one of their favorite uh uh raw haunts uh in the early in the mid 90s when uh things were not doing so great money wise so they were <laughs> trying to keep it uh cute you know tight and to the point so here's your card uh good luck whether you think this is any good or not uh brian christopher pinned scott taylor pre too much days uh the jackal pinned personal favorites uh of jr and mine salvatore uh sincere the interrogator pinned Flash Funk. Steve Austin pinned Triple H. But as good as we have so far. Uh, there you go. It was fall 97, so what, what would a show be without some gang wars? So Crush, Chains, Skull, and 8-Ball defeated Savio Vega, uh, Miguel Perez, Jose Castillo, Jesus Castillo, and Jose Estrada. So pretty much, uh, what was her name? Kevin DOA. Kelly was popping at the curtain, for sure. Yes, she was. Uh, DOA uh, defeated uh, Los Bariquas. Uh, Mark Marrow pinned the Sultan. Sniper and Recon defeated the Blackjacks. And the main event, this was the main event. Ready? Goldust pinned the Road Dog. Ugh. That was the main event. <laughs> Boy. That was a rough main event. No yeah. Brett, no Sean, no Taker, <laughs> nothing. Oof. Wow, that's rough. That's very rough. I think we were, what, two weeks out of... Um, I think we were two weeks away from uh, Survivor Series. We all know what happened uh, that night in Montreal. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, um, that was your one house show. So there was no other. I checked. I uh, uh, don't believe there was anything in ECW at this point. Um, I'm going to take a quick peek at the history of WWE.com and check real quick. But I don't think. I think this was passed. I don't know if they were still. Were they still? Well, well, no, you 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 passed it on on a three way dance. Did they do like a holiday hell ninety seven? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, probably at the end of ninety seven. I'm sure would have been yeah. in, in December though, not here. So no, I mean, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah. that's true. Let me see. Let me check real quick. So I mean, they were probably they were building to November to remember, which would have been the first November to remember on pay per view in ninety seven for ECW, but it would have just been. Um, would have spent some standard action. Right. Um, yeah, there was no house show on this date. However, a few days later, I won't do the card, but uh, Halloween 97, ECW did a show at the Twin Rinks in Stamford, Connecticut. That's <laughs> pretty funny. I never knew that they go. did wrestling at the rinks. It's pretty funny. Uh, so that's all I got. The, uh, I will say the day before on ECW Hardcore TV at the Elks Lodge in Queens, the episode aired on October 25th where Bam Bam Bigelow uh, defeated Shane Douglas to win the ECW world title. Uh, and yep. just incredible upset great Sasuke as well. So that was a pretty infamous episode of TV um, mm. with that big title change. Bigelow turning on his partner, Rick Rude, uh, debuts him as a mystery opponent for Shane and ends up winning the title. And then they fight in November, remember, um, in Pittsburgh. So right. there you go. Pretty interesting. All right, let's head over to our Herb Coons tidbits here, Steve. They're not, never too far away from a batch of Herb here on the Place to Be podcast. we got a couple we'll go through. October 2nd, uh, Raw this past Monday was a taped show that was about the same as most taped ventures. No way near as good as a mediocre live show. The wrestling highlights were non-existent this time out. ONR had fun wearing an Owen 316 shirt only to get stunned by Steve Austin, and that was the best part of the show. The rest saw Farouk versus Ahmed Johnson, the Headbangers versus the Bariquas, Invader versus British Bulldog, and Undertaker versus Hunter S. Helmsley. All bad matches. The only one of potential was used to set up a run-in and hype the upcoming flag match. 
Next Monday, Goldust and Marlena will renew their wedding vows. There's actually a lot of speculation. The angle will be one where Marlena actually likes being with Pillman and sets up Goldust's loss. So we'll see. Uh, WF has bad blood on Sunday. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. The Headbangers versus The Godwins. Owen Hart versus Farouk in the Intercontinental Title Tournament Final. Bret Hart, Davey Boy Smith versus Patriot Invader in a flag match. Rocky Maivia, Kama, and D'Lo Brown versus Hawk Animal and Ken Shamrock. And Brian Pillman versus Dude Love. If Dude wins, Goldust uh, will get a no-DQ match with Pillman right after. And that'll be a false kind of match, of course. Brian Pillman wouldn't make it to that show, sadly. Um, and we don't get the wedding vow stuff either. Uh, let's see. From the Observer, a lot of criticism about ECW being mainly sloppy brawling. Paul Heyman is trying to change the face of the company using wrestlers underneath and in the middle. The basic details is that Doug Furness and Phil LaFon will be wrestling for four to six weeks with Heyman attempting to inject charisma into the team so they get a lot bigger when they return to the WWF. They both have $250,000 guaranteed three-year deals with Titan. Heyman wanted them because, in his words, he's attempting to reinvent the promotion with more wrestling, and the two are quality wrestlers. When it comes to lack of ECW appearance on Raw from the Madison Square Garden, Heyman said it was because they told him about Austin McMahon angle, and he knew nothing he could pull off would get anyone talking about ECW with that angle, so he figured there was no point in appearing. WDF source categorized it as no matter what you hear. WDF no longer wants anything to do with ECW as far as appearing on their television. They're sending him talent. Heyman begged for Furnace on the Fawn. He promised in six weeks he'd give them back a gimmick that would get them over when they returned, which doesn't quite happen. <laughs> they do return for Survivor Series, but it doesn't go far. Uh, Raw on 929 had a 4.1 rating. Um, uh, let's see. The pay-per-view buy rates are the last six months show that WF has an average buy rate of 0.59 with an average gross of 1.51 million. WCW's average buy rate is 0.69 with an average gross of 2.12 million. Halloween Havoc on October 26th. Hogan versus Piper in a cage. Giant versus Kevin Nash. Diamond Dallas Page versus Randy Savage. Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Hedding for the U.S. title. Scott Hall versus Lex Luger with Larry Zabisco as referee. And Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. for the Cruiserweight title. The new Thursday night TBS show means Nitro becomes an NWO show. If you think they have a commentator who's going to switch allegiances because Zabisco be a candidate and a swerve. Survivor Series on 11-9, World War III on 11-23. Uh, Dodef has a pay-per-view on December 7th. And Stockade on December 28th, Sting versus Hulk Hogan for the WCW title, where it's expected Sting will win due to NWO interference gone awry, leading to Hulk Hogan feuding with the Wolfpack. So... There you go. There's also speculation of Hogan's contract being up in December, although he'll surely renew. Hogan also has veto power over his finishes, so things can be as screwy as he likes. Any uh, thoughts on that, Batch of Herb? It's interesting to hear him talk about the Attitude Era. We've been so long with him, like in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, right. Suddenly here he is talking about Attitude Era Raws and Nitro. Well, he was onto um, something with um, that Starcade finish. Yeah. yeah I would have taken that if it would actually happen. <laughs> So, uh, there was interference gone awry. Unfortunately, there was you know, um, I I do like that there was the finality of uh, that the ECW relationship was over now. Like, all right, I've I've held your hand long enough. Go do your own thing now. I got. Well, I got they you. kept that fucking feud going on ECW TV forever. I mean, it's long gone on WWF TV, and that WCW and ECW versus Team WWF stuff that goes into early '98 with Lance Wright and Furnace on the Fawn, Brockus. It's like all bums, um, right? But it continues on. Like they don't end it, even though on WWF you never, you don't hear them again. I think after like June, um, there's no mention of ECW on their program, but they keep it going. And Lawler's there for a bit. I think he's done. I think it's hardcore heaven in August. Um, he's done, and then after that, it's kind of like it's a low end angle that runs right. on for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the next batch of herb here. A week later, uh, WWF wrestler Brian Pillman has been found dead in his hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota, 1:09 p.m. local time. His death was caused by heart failure, likely exasperated by the amount immense amount of painkillers he was taking. Pillman is survived by his wife Melanie and five children. Uh, he has a huge biography, uh, obit, I should say. I don't know if this is Meltzer's. I'm guessing it is because it's pretty in-depth. Um, he doesn't credit Meltzer, so maybe he wrote it himself. I don't know, but um, it's pretty long, so I'm not going to read it all. JF Head in Your House, Bad Blood on Sunday. Overall, I give it a mild thumbs up. The undercard is pretty darn weak. The main events were solid. Particular Shawn Michaels gave another in line of career best performances. Rocket MIV and Kama, Dila Brown beat Hawk and Animal. Shamrock is to be the third man, but his lung problems persist with a two-on-one 
It seemed apparent the LOD would take the match until Farouk came out for some lame interference to lead his team to victory. A very poor opener, not because of the lame ending, but also because of the total lack of quality wrestling. D'Lo Brown is the best worker of the five, which says a fair bit. Max Mini and Nova beat Tarantula and Mosaic on sloppy, I thought, but still the first good match. I was hoping it would turn into more than it did. The Godwins beat the Headbangers to win the tag team titles. Another weak match. The Headbangers are passable, but they don't measure up to other world-class teams. The Godwins, well, their gimmick is embarrassing. Hopefully, they'll quickly migrate the belts to Vader and Patriot. Keep waiting <laughs> on that, Herb. <laughs> Owen Hart beat Farouk to win the IC title. Farouk is lousy. Despite the emotion of the night, Owen tried to work, but he couldn't make it interesting. The finish was screwy. With Steve Austin whacking Farouk with the title so Owen would get the win, they played it like Owen didn't even know Austin got involved. The DOA beat Bariquas, dreadful. Bret Hart versus and David Boy Smith versus Patriot Vader. The work was very good in this match, as one would expect. The flag stipulation is stupid and ended up playing no role in the finish. They announced early on that pinfalls and submissions were the ways of winning. Patriot threw a fit at the end of the match after he'd been rolled up by Hart. Shawn Michaels beat Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell. Shawn delivered another career best, lifting Undertaker to what's probably his best match ever. Michaels looked, took hellacious bumps, bled like crazy, and never stopped working his butt off. They did some great unique spots, both in and out of the cage. When a cameraman was leveled by Michaels and removed from the cage, it was a solid tease at outside interference. Instead, Michaels and Undertaker then left the cage and brawled on top before going back inside. The only negative part was the big negative was the uncreative and generally horrible finish as Kane, Glenn Jacobs, Kane spelled this way based on Undertaker's first appearance. Lumbered down to ringside and ripped the door off the cage, tombstone Undertaker, and walked away. They could have had Kane a clear appear uh, after a clean finish, but I guess that's asking too much. Overall, the show had two very solid matches, one that will likely get match of the year praise on the internet despite the uninspired finish. Raw this past Monday was incredibly weird. Before the show, they gave a Pillman a 10-bell salute, which was a nice touch. The show opened with two segments of Shawn Michaels and Horace Helmsley acting like jackasses and delivering shoot comments to McMahon. I'm not sure the average person watching Raw would even understand half of what they were talking about, which makes it stupid. They suggested that the NWO, without mentioning by name, was being run from up north, which seems like a cheap way of riding the coattails of the success of WCW. Michaels correctly stated that he delivered a stellar performance of Bad Blood. Truthfully, he could have delivered that quality of match against almost anybody, but Undertaker never could without Michaels. However, the Hart Foundation confronted the, uh, the click. Mark Merrow debuted his new gimmick, a boxing-oriented character, and sadly nowhere near what he used to be. I was hoping he'd be fired up for his return, but it was very lackluster. Oh, the Headbangers got an upset win over the Godwins as the tag scene continues to decay. Baby Boy Smith beat Rocky Maivia, and Owen Hart defeated Hawk. Kane appeared to look slow and stupid. There's talk that the Truth Commission's interrogator was being groomed for a series of The Undertaker. Imagine those matches with Kane and interrogator lining up for The Undertaker. Bret Hart lost by count out to Helmsley. Helmsley's not over at all, even with China in association with Michaels, and that's headline matches. Vince McMahon also interviewed Melanie Pillman. It was strange to watch Vince pump Melanie for responses the day after her husband's death. It came off as tasteless not to let her grieve first. But if Pillman's death gets spun by someone who's having drug, been drug-induced, then we have could face trouble down the line. In a totally stupid spot, Jim Cornette repeated the remarks about WCW and the NWO that have appeared all over the place on the internet and newsletters. I don't know who this segment was supposed to appeal to. The fact is, WCW is drawing better ratings and buy rates, and the fact is, almost all the time, they have better undercards than WDF, even though WDF has better main events. The fact is, WCW has not even tried to get strong undercard wrestlers over as main eventers, and WDF has a little luck getting the mid-carders over. Yeah, Nash Hall, Six, and others have ego problems, but they're surely not the only ones in the business with that issue. Don't get me wrong. It was great to hear Cornette rant and rave, but it was a poor judgment call to put this on Raw. They advertised for WCW and looked like crybabies. And hell, I even paid a fair chunk of money to fly to Smokey Bowen. Yeah, there you go. Timely. We talked about that recently, a few years back. Uh, Halloween Havoc on October 26th, pretty much the same card. Giant Nash won't happen because Nash is uh, recovering from knee surgery. I finally get to see a clip of Bill Goldberg this past weekend. He's been beating mid-carders on Nitro, walking away from Gene Oakland's queries. I am unimpressed, but maybe the gimmick will be cool if he could work. Oh, Herb. <laughs> Jim Duggan and Fit Finley are returning to WCW. On October 6th, Raw got a 3.9 rating. Uh, the detailed ratings are just a click away. He has them all laid out. WWF has Survivor Series. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart versus Steve Austin. Uh, awesome lineup. Just give them the whole three hours. Who wants to see Nation versus DOA and Bariquas? Uh, and then he has the other two shows. So we'll stop there with her for the night. But I did find his thoughts interesting. I'm curious you guys take on his in your house talk and raw talk, because you can see a lot of the infamous thoughts of the Internet permeated all throughout his talk. Right. Like if you go back to message boards and reviews from this time, it's not just her talking like this. Right. And I don't know if it's her trickling down to others or if it's just the mind, hive mind bleeding into his notes. 
but it was very much on par with all of the conversation points you had in the early days of the internet. Go ahead, Steve. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean the the um, yeah he he had it out for Kane. I mean, <laughs> saying that the um that his um getting involved in the Hell of a Cell hurts the match. Um, I mean, you ask, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say that him being involved there is, you know, one of the great factors of the match. And then, you know, and then continuing into the next night. And yeah, it was just really crazy that he, um, yeah, some of the things he would, that he was saying, I'm sure, I'm sure as we get further into like 98, 99, his vitriol is probably only going to get worse. Um, I liked his analysis and he's dead on. And I think this is, I think this was always a discussion involving, WWF and WCW WWF always had better main events because they had younger guys. The matches were better, but they couldn't afford the overloaded roster that WCW had their mid card was great. And he hits the nail on the head and it becomes a big problem at the back end of the Monday night war, which is yeah. WCW has the best, better mid carters, but WCW leaves them there, which is whereas WWF, I mean, obviously Steve's the biggest example, Steve Austin, uh, the biggest example is that, uh, you know, he moves those guys up. The, these guys are going to eventually be elevated. Whereas WCW, yeah, they have the best mid card because those guys aren't going anywhere. And then, of course, as over the next like two years, uh, they clearly start getting upset that they're tired of being in the mid card. And then we all know what happens at the end. So I like I like uh, Herb's analysis because very early on, even at a point in the fall of 97, where WCW was still kicking the crap out of WWE, although they... <laughs> I always, I always feel like that's a misnomer too. Like the, the ratings were not that far apart. Like when WWF no, was beating, it's just that they beat them consistently for all those weeks. Like it was more right. that that they couldn't get over the hump to beat them. But yeah, you're right. Like the gap wasn't massive at this point. It wasn't. I mean, it's not like when WWF was beating them in '99, they were fucking murdering them. But in '97, right. like Nitro would get maybe a four zero, and Raw would get like a three six. Whereas two years later, Raw would right. get like a seven and Nitro would get like a two. My point is, Herb's right. The 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 if you look at the shows in a bubble, w, WCW looks better overall. But down the line, that becomes a problem because WCW wanted to keep those guys there. Um, but yeah, your whole thing about how the internet was feeling in '97 is he he did kind of uh, hit the nail on the head with that. That's true. I agree. All right, so let's uh, go ahead then, and we'll continue our trek through history this week in 1997, Scott, for our Vintage Pop Culture Corner. Goodbye, England's Rose. May you ever grow in our hearts. You were the greatest place to sell where lives were torn apart. Yes, well, we'll go to music first. We'll go to uh, the last week uh, of the, uh, or the week that ended October 25th, 1997. So the night before, they always go to Saturday to Saturday. The number one song was Candle in the Wind, 97 by Elton John. Of course, uh, uh, very recently, of course, at this time was the passing of uh, the tragic death of Princess Diana from... Uh, in a car accident, so of course they were very close. So he wrote a he wrote. He I definitely had that single. I definitely had that CD with the uh, "Can on the Wind" and then something about the way you look tonight look on the other tonight, side. Look. It's also my prom song in 1998. Oh, very nice. So it, it was actually no, actually both. no. You know what? I'm wrong. It was wonderful tonight. That was a prom song. Seriously, that was my prom song too. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Oh god, um, wild. And then that's insane. And you can't even make fun of the fact Only that twenty years apart. Well, yeah. Well, it's what seven years, seven years apart. Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. And the song came out in like '78. <laughs> the funnier part. Yeah. You, you, so the song was older. When well, you I feel like it. you got a. Yeah, but I feel like you got a bump, like when it, it at, in the late '90s. I forget why. I don't know if he re-released it or something. Like I remember it being like pretty popular at that time. Yeah, I don't know, I don't if, know if, if it came back out or something. Maybe it was this, didn't Clapton's Unplugged or Greatest Hits or some shit come out like well, in '97. Maybe because that new song, the what was that song? Uh, Change the World came out in '96, so maybe it was on like a greatest hits or something. That's entirely possible, but that was my prompt song in '91. Yeah, I, so. I, think, I think something it came back out or something because I remember it was yeah. pretty, I remember it being on all the time. Yeah, um, so yeah, the two side 
Uh, that and Way You Look Tonight was number one. Uh, you Make Me Wanna by Usher was two. How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes was three. Four Seasons of Loneliness by Boys to Men was four. All Cried Out by Allure featuring 112 was uh, number five. Honey by Mariah Carey at six. Quit Playing Games with My Heart by the Backstreet Boys. Good song. at seven. Another uh, AB side, Foolish Games slash You Were Meant for Me by Jewel at number eight. My Love is the Shh, Something for the People featuring Trina and Tamara. And a song that I heard all the time because I was working at, I was in radio at that time. Semi Charm Life by Third Eye Blind was number 10. We, do, my do, radio station played that. We played that song to death at my radio station in the summer and fall. That's, of a, that's a good top 10, though. That That's a pretty strong outing right there. There's only a couple couple of duds but i mean jewel yeah. coming in at the back end like those songs are huge oh yeah um, so that's yeah. that's a good top 10 no it is a good top 10 it was very solid uh all right so we'll go from the uh radio to the big screen and see what was going on in the movies uh this week uh chart ending october 24th 1997 your top 10 looks like this uh solid movies here uh number 10 la confidential uh, number nine, a life less ordinary. That was a that was a premier week. Number eight, Rocket Man, not the Elton movie, but the um, the Disney movie. Uh, In and Out at number seven, uh, Fairy Tale, a true story at number six. That was a premiere. Gattaca, crazy uh, sci fi movie with Ethan Hawke. That was five. Seven Years in Tibet at number four. Kiss the Girls. That was uh, that was a uh, it was Morgan Freeman and. Was it Naomi Judd? No, Ashley Judd at number four or three at number three devil's advocate at number two. And at number one, perfect. I mean, this, this movie was so mid late nineties. I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Another good devil's advocate promo. Right yeah. here. Looking sharp. Yeah. Um, no Sean O'Hare though. No Sean O'Hare. Yes, I know. Right. Uh, of course that was great. You know, you had, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Buffy there. Brain farting. Who was Buffy? Um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller. Jennifer Love Hewitt was in it. Uh, yeah, Freddie. So Freddie Prinz. Yeah, that was a whole crew there. So that was your uh, movies in 19... 19- that, that, that list was just so 1997. <laughs> just so mm-hmm. 1997. Uh, let's go to the little screen. Quick check of what was on TV in the 1997-98 television schedule uh, for that week. Um, let us go to, uh, see what was on Sunday night back then. So on ABC, we had the wonderful world of Disney, which was on for two hours. Wow. And then the ABC Sunday night movie, CBS had 60 minutes, then touched by an angel. And then the CBS Sunday movie, NBC had Dateline at seven, then men behaving badly, Jenny and the ABC, the NBC Sunday night movie. Fox had. I fucking I hated Sunday night television. I mean, football season was great or pay per views, but like, man, it was just all like a stupid sixty minutes touch, but like all that shit was slop. I mean, once the Simpsons, we'll we'll get there, but when Family Guy comes in and, and Simpsons, that Sunday night becomes like must see is much so much better. But for a while, Sundays were tough. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of Fox, Fox actually had a great night. The world's funniest from seven to eight. Then eight o'clock was the Simpsons. This two hours is killer. At eight o'clock, you had the Simpsons. Eight thirty, you had King of the Hill. And then nine o'clock, you had X Files. So that was just a, that was a pot. Those two hours blew anything else away. And then ten o'clock, usually Fox went. Yeah, to Yeah, I mean Fox was killing everyone on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. WB had and, Nick. And, and again, I mean, we would have. This would have been a big night anyway with Bad Blood. I mean, I mean with um, Halloween Havoc and football on against all that. Like that's that's a big night in, at the household in 1997, right there. Oh, totally. Uh, on WB at Nick Frino, licensed teacher, then the Parenthood. The Jamie Foxx Show, Unhappily Ever After, the sh- the Tom, the Tom Show, right? All right, already, and then local programming. So that was that was your Sunday night on television in the ninety seven ninety eight television schedule. Uh, excellent segue, Jr. Because now we'll go from the uh, television to taking the field. Right. So also on this night, before we get to football, it was actually a big baseball game on this night. If everyone remembers the Edgar Renteria base hit off of Charles Nagy that scored 
current Chicago Cubs manager Craig Council and the Florida Marlins won their first world championship on this night. Game seven, they beat the Cleveland Gardindians 3-2 in 11 innings after, as we used to call him, Joe Table, Jose Mesa, uh, gacked in the ninth inning, did not get the save, and the uh, and the Marlins were world champions. Isn't that crazy? I mean, the Marlins did it in four years, and the... Actually, they both did it in four years. The Marlins did it in four years, and the Diamondbacks did it in four years. It's crazy. Um, but we are taking the field. It is week nine of the 1997 NFL season. So, JR, like I said on our last episode, it's hard for you to kind of stay focused with because we used to do, you know. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is more my wheelhouse now. After all these years, we're right, we're right where I could possibly maybe do some damage. All right. Um, so, so, Chad, Chad and I went 9-9 in, in okay. uh, episode one of this journey here. So, let's, uh, let's see how me and the Riddler do. Okay. So, here we go. Uh, for some reason, there were two Monday night games on this night, uh, this weekend. It's kind of weird. Um, I wonder if there was a was there a storm or something or weather. It must I don't know. Something, yeah. Yeah, weird. Anyway, we'll start at uh, Rich Stadium in Buffalo, uh, where the Bills host the Denver Broncos. Jr. Didn't Denver play Buffalo the last? Oh no, they were pl- they played Houston. I was gonna say that would have been funny. Uh, so Broncos Bills in Buffalo. I will take the Denver Broncos. Okay. Steve? Yeah, I'll go Broncos too. This was the first year of the new unis, and uh, of course the Packers were the defending champions. Uh, the Broncos win in overtime, 23-20. to 20. Uh, We go to the Superdome in New Orleans, where the Saints host the San Francisco 49ers, Steve. Uh, Niners. JR? I will also take the Niners. Yes, Steve Young threw for 230. Niners pitch a shutout, 23 to nothing. We go to Giants Stadium in the Meadowlands, where the Giants host the Cincinnati Bengals, JR. Ooh, uh, both teams are dog shit at this time. Um... Ugh. I'll take the Giants, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Jay, uh, Steve? Yeah, both weren't great, but I feel like at least the Giants were a little bit on the up and up here, as opposed to the Bengals. I'll take the Giants, too. Well, Jeff Blake was the starter for the uh, – right, was it Jeff Blake? Was the starter for the Bengals. That speaks yeah. volume. And Charles Way was the highest run – was the was the top running back for the Giants. Giants eke this one out, 29-27. to 27. We go to Veteran Stadium in Philly. Was the Pennell Eagles. quarterback? Who was the, the giant quarterback? Was probably Dave. Was it Dave Brown? Probably that. Was point? either Brown or Cannell, one of those. Or Danny Cannell, yeah. No, Eli wasn't for many. Well, no, obviously, Gary no. Collins doesn't come for a couple more years. He was in uh, he was in Carolina, I think, still at this point. Um, all right, so we go to the vet in Philly, the Eagles and the Cowboys. This must have been a fist fight. I wonder if this is when Santa got booed. Oh, no, that was October. Somebody must have got booed. Uh, Steve. Cowboys. JR? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Dallas. Uh, uh, Emmett threw for one, uh, rushed for 126, but the Eagles do eke out a 13 12 win in Philly. We go to the, I don't know what the hell it was called at this point. The Trans World, was it the Trans World Dome? Or the, it wasn't the Edward Jones Dome. I think it was the Trans World Dome or TWA Dome, whatever. In St. Louis, the Rams, uh, their, what, second season in St. Louis, host the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, JR. I feel like this is like the end of the Chiefs, but they're still hanging in the picture at this point. So, and I don't think the Rams, they don't really get going again until um, the uh, Vermeil days. So I'll take the Chiefs here. Okay. Steve? You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to take a chance here. I'll go with the Rams. Okay. Well, uh, Kurt Warner was still bagging groceries. Um, uh, Tony Banks was your quarterback for the Rams. He threw for 268, but the Chiefs win 28 to 20. It's a Dick Vermeil Bowl. It's Dick Vermeil's current team against Dick Vermeil's future team, the uh, Rams and the Chiefs. Uh, we go to RFK. Uh, no, wait a minute. Were they at RFK at this point, or did they move to uh, FedEx Field? I don't know. 97? Let me get, let me check. Were they? Did they leave RFK at this point? I don't know if they had left RFK. Were they at FedEx Field? Doesn't matter. Both places are dumps. Uh, Jack Kent Cook Stadium. Oh, maybe they hadn't moved to FedEx Field yet. Um, anyway, the Washington Redacteds hosting the uh, Baltimore Ravens. A little, little beltway battle here. Uh, Steve. Ooh, that's an interesting game. Um, I'll go Ravens. Okay, JR. So I think this is the Ravens. Is this their first year or second? They moved in 96. Uh, right? This is their second. Second year. So I feel like they were like 
iffy for a couple of years before putting it together, and I feel like Washington was still like a fringe playoff team. So I'll take the I'll take the Hogs. Uh, Gus Farratt was your quarterback. Uh, that should speak a lot. Ravens win twenty. Well, actually, it was a close game, twenty to seventeen. Uh, I say, which team was he quarterback for both at one point? Was it the Ravens was, at some point? I think he was actually. I think so yeah, I think Vinny was Vinny was Vinny a Jet yet, or that was until ninety eight. No, ninety eight. Okay, the so next, the next season, uh, yeah, 98, Vinny, 99 was Vinny's. Yeah, Vinny might have still been uh, the Ravens quarterback. Um, all right, we go to Sun Devil Stadium in Tampa. In Tampa, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. Uh, the Cardinals host the uh, Tennessee Oilers in their second season in Tennessee. Uh, Jr. Uh, I'll take the Oilers. Okay, Steve. I'll go with the home team. Go with the Cardinals. All right, Jake Plummer was your quarterback. Uh, Eddie George, I think, was in his second year with the uh, Oilers after winning the Heisman in Ohio State. Uh, Oilers win big, 41-14. to I think this is their second year as the Tennessee Oilers. I think they only do two no, years. Only did, I think they only did one year. I thought it was just one year as the Oilers, and they went to the Titans. Did they leave Tennessee? Oh, then they must have left Houston in 90. I keep feeling like Houston left. They left Houston in 95. They must have left Houston in 96. Because uh, yeah, 98. I, was, I thought they just had one year. Yeah. Uh, next, we go to uh, uh, Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh. The Steelers hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Steve, ooh, uh, I feel like both both those teams are actually fairly good this year. Um, I'll go Steelers. Okay, Jer. I'm gonna go with the Jags. I feel like they well they had made the AFC title game. It was a little fluky. Uh, no, I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh. Okay. They end up having the other game. I don't know when that was. Might have been earlier in the year. The game they played in Jacksonville was a, like a great Monday night game, if I remember correctly. They almost cut it off the air. Um, this game, though, the Steelers win in overtime, 23-17. to 17. Cordell Stewart threw for 317. I, think, I, say, I think the Jags kind of came back to earth after that AFC yeah. title game. Um, next, we head to uh, Jack Murphy Stadium, the Murph in San Diego. The Chargers host the Indianapolis Colts, JR. All right. The Colts are on the rise Chargers still hanging but I'm going to take I'm going to take Indy. Okay. Steve. I feel like the cuz I feel like cuz I know the Colts are still about a year or two away from getting Peyton, so I'm actually going to go with the Chargers. Uh yes, Paul Judd. Oh, he wasn't Paul, there. No. He was drafted the he was drafted that spring. 97 mm, was the senior year. He was drafted in 98. Um Paul Justin was the quarterback for uh, the Colts, um, and that's why they lost. Chargers win 35-19. to 19. Yeah, Peyton was drafted in 98. This was his. That was a good year. 97 was when he was going to come out, but he didn't want to go to the Jets. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, and he ended up finishing going 0-4 against the, against the, the, the Gators. Uh, next, we go to uh, the Kingdome in Seattle. The Seahawks host the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Steve. Seahawks. Okay, Jer? Yeah, I'm going to take Seattle. They were, like, sneaky good that season, I think. Warren Moon was with the Seahawks, and he threw for 409 yards as the Seahawks beat the Raiders 45-34. to We go to uh, the Sombrero, Tampa Stadium in Tampa. I don't think they were Raymond James yet. Uh, where the uh, Bucks host the Minnesota Vikings, Jr. Hmm, well, NFC Central action. Uh, yeah. I will take Minnesota. Steve? Yeah, Vikings. I'm checking to see if they had gone to Raymond James yet. I don't think they did. Hoolahan yeah. Stadium? No, that, that's the that's the old. That's I forgot Hoolahan. Yeah, that's Hoolahan was probably the bar. Um, so uh, yeah, so they were still at the Sombrero and um, Leroy Horde was was running back for the Vikings. He led the team with 40 yards. Uh, let's go down to you, Charlotte. Uh, you froze for a minute. Who actually won the match? At that time. I mean, who won the game? Uh, who won the Panthers game? hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Steve. Uh, well, first, who uh, I think you were kind of froze there for a second. Who won that game? Vikings and Bucks. I feel like he left us. Is that another planet, Steve? Um, all right, we'll find out who won Vikings Bucks. It wasn't what he said. It was a. Uh... It was Panthers. All right, the. Uh... Panthers with the win, twenty-one to twelve. Billy Joe Tolliver. I feel like he's doing a different show for us. Um, right? He's completely now. There were two Monday night games. 
All right, a little tech issue. Uh, Scott gave away the, the answer to the Panthers game <laughs> during the audio issue. So we gave us oh. both a point for the Panthers. Uh, who yep. won the Vikings game, Scott? Uh, the Vikings won 10-6 in Tampa in a slugfest. Did we both so. pick them, Steve? I think we did, right? You did. We did, you both yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and you right. both took All right. So now we're, we're, you can skip the Carolina game, and now we're on to whatever's next. All right. So for, as I was saying, there were two Monday night games on this night, which is very weird. I don't know why. Maybe one of them was a storm because one of them's in Miami. Uh, at Pro Player or Joe Robbie, whatever the hell it was called in '97, the Dolphins host the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jr. I will take the Dolphins. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Miami. Uh, Eric Kramer threw for 343 for the Bears. They beat the Dolphins in overtime, 36 to 33. The other uh, Monday night game was at uh, Foxborough Stadium in uh, Foxborough as the Patriots host the Green Bay Packers in a rematch of the previous year's Super Bowl, Steve. Oh, Green Bay. Yeah, I'll get the Packers. Brett Favre was on a quest for another ring, and I think he won the MVP in 97. Uh, Packers win 28-10. to Okay, and you said Miami lost another game, right? Miami lost in overtime, yes. Okay. All right, so 10-10, to another tie uh, after last week. Uh, oh, good geez. battle, Steve. I guess uh, I figures the Jets are on by, of course. So, um, okay. <laughs> you didn't yes. get to pick that. All, All right. right. So, so good stuff there. All right, yeah. Scott. I'm going to say we're about 40 minutes in here. So why don't you go ahead and pick your uh, pick one out of the grab bag that you want to hit before we wrap? All right. Well, we didn't get to do it on the last on the episode with Chad because there was no episode that week. So why don't we go to this uh, previous week's episode of the wonderful show? Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, we're in the fall of 97, so this is season eight, um, which was the first season uh, after they graduated from Cal U. And in my opinion, personally, uh, the first season where the show kind of started to, I mean, I'm being generous because it probably dipped in season seven, but it really dipped mm-hmm. in season eight. Um, as you know, the wonderful show, 90210, so you're not even close to season eight. So, <laughs> but uh, we'll you'll see. get there. <laughs> you'll get there. Um this episode was called Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it was the seventh episode of the season. It aired on October 22nd, 1997. So that previous, I guess it would be what, previous uh, Thursday. Brandon becomes overly protective of Kelly and displays behavior that borders on the sociopathic. When man accidentally bumps into Kelly at a movie theater, Brandon imagines gunshots and attacks him. Uh, I kind of remember this. Detective Woods tells Brandon that the guy who shot Kelly is in the hospital. Brandon arrives and learns that the shooter is the man that Kelly described, the guy Brandon identified as the driver who has been arrested. Brandon makes menacing remarks to the shooter's dead body. David negotiates a record deal for Kane Was Able. Donna shows him the band's new song, which includes racial That's slurs. Be Kane. What are the odds that <laughs> Kane Was Able uh, was on out of 2 0 when Kane debuted? Yes. Uh, Donna shows him the band's new song, which includes racial slurs and encourages white supremacy. Uh, the record company executive tells David to let uh, it go, but he refuses to allow Jacobs, the band. You know, not, not, no. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> but he refuses to allow the band to perform a showcase at the After Dark. David fights with the band when it tries to make the stage anyway. Donna learns that Valerie stole all of her clients. She tries to get revenge by asking Noah to work at a party in the hopes that he will catch Val with Cooper. Valerie manages to squirm out of the situation. Donna slaps Val during an argument at the club. Steve surprises Carly by doing all of her household chores then takes her out for the evening. She is touched by his gesture and gives him a kiss. And uh, Nate was not in this episode, Joey Tata. So there's your, I forgot about Nat, the, uh, huh? Too much made of, too much made of that in your mind. You said Nate, I think you meant Nat. I mean, Nat, <laughs> Joey Tata, Nat. imagine <laughs> my brother, the peach pit. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Nat was not at, uh, was not in this episode. Uh, I kind of remember the uh, Psycho Brandon uh, episode. It was very strange. I think this, like I said, I think this is where the show kind of got a little, uh, got a little kooky. Um, so there you go. There was your episode of 90210 for that week in 1997. And that is your pop culture corner. Head back then to the world of wrestling here on the podcast. We're going to be covering Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Eddie Guerrero, Halloween Havoc 19, 
97, uh, October 26th. A few news and notes from our good friend, Mr. Riddle, who I mentioned earlier, provides us with our facts for these shows. So big thanks to him. Uh, so a few notes on the town, and then we'll get into the build to the match, and then we'll watch it. Las Vegas, the unofficial home for Halloween Havoc starting in 1996, included in 2000. Never hosted any other pay-per-views, though. Only Clash of the Champions 32. The city also hosted seven total WWE pay-per-views, WrestleMania 9, No Way Out 2001, No Way Out 2008, Vengeance 05, Money in the Bank 2016, Money in the Bank 22, Elimination Chamber 2018, and of course, as represented by our shirts here, Scott, uh, SummerSlam 2021, we get to hang out with the wonderful Mr. Riddle, there it is, uh, in person in Las Vegas, so. Yes. A great time, of course. Uh, the city also played host, too. Here we go. You could track this one down, Scott, for a... Uh, for your next uh, show, Mr. Deaner, maybe UWF's Blackjack Brawl in 1994. I think you should I think you should well, pull that we up. Well, right we did we did do that show on an episode of uh, Jenny and the Gems. Uh, I actually picked oh, it. Oh, that's right. We all fucking hated me afterwards, so I don't know if I ever want to do that show again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it was terrible. Uh, really, <laughs> Ring of Honor's that show. Yeah, it's not good. Ring, Ring of Honor's 16th anniversary show in 2018 was there, as well as TNA Bound for Glory 21, Turning Point 21, No Surrender 23, Global Force Wrestling Amped Anthology in 2017, also be the home of Hard to Kill 2024, um, and a special show called Snake Eyes Impact Wrestling, or I guess TNA Wrestling by then, on January 14th. The city's also the official home for AW Double or Nothing 2019, uh, 2022, and 23 as well. Uh, the city is the site of the initial run of Glow from 1986 to 1990, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which, of course, came back into pop culture a handful of years ago or so with the awesome Netflix show that died an untimely death, sadly. Uh, so, Las Vegas, the home of to a few indie promotions, Future Stars of Wrestling, and Kraken Pro Wrestling. And now the build to this match on 922 is announced that Mysterio would challenge Guerrero for the Cruiserweight title because he defeated him back on September 8th. A week later, Mysterio faced a masked wrestler named El Caliente and defeated him before taking Caliente's mask off to reveal him to be Eddie Guerrero. A week, uh, two weeks later, on Nitro, Eddie Guerrero defeated Psychosis, tried to rip his mask off. Psychosis escaped. Later that night, Guerrero cost Mal uh, Mysterio a match against Dean Malenko when he tried to rip his mask off again. And a week later, it was announced that Mysterio's mask would be on the line against Guerrero. In a match, Disco Inferno tried to take his mask off again. So that sets us up for this mask versus title, Halloween Havoc 1997. We are paused at, I believe, 30 even uh, on Peacock on Halloween Havoc 97. We're going to hit play in three, two, one, go. And this is the Eddie Guerrero we all, at least I know and love, uh, in WCW. Just the angry, pissed off, bitter saunter. Um, I think he does. He have I don't have it loud enough. Does he have the LWO theme by now? I think so. Just without the uh, the La Raza that says right. it. And I, I also dun, still. Dun, I think dun, by this point they're still dun, spelling his dun. name with a Y and not mm. I E. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, I think they do that pretty much his whole run there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I think when when he went to WWE, wow. I got to give Dominic Mysterio credit. He is totally channeling the perfect Eddie Mullet right now. Mm -hmm. Because oh yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking perfect. It absolutely is perfect. Uh, Ray, of course, this is a pretty infamous outfit for him as well. The uh, purple with the question marks. Yeah, I think it's one of his best outfits. Yeah, it's iconic. I think it's in one of the video games too, right? Now they put it in there later because it's uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. This is a pretty infamous one. I always loved when they did the Halloween Havoc mats with the Slim Jim and the logo. It was pretty like ahead of their time with the stuff all over the mat for the show. Mm -hmm. And of course, all the Slim Jim ads because Slim Jim sponsored it. Yep. yep. Um, Eddie is just fucking shredded here. Yeah. That's the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, is... uh, he has classic tights as well, the gold and black with the red. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they're like, there's no feeling out. <laughs> like, they're right at it um, immediately. And Ray's all over him, knocks him to the floor, just like the crowd is into it. Third match on the card, by the way. Um, so, still early in the night, but at least they, they gave it a couple in. So, you, you kind of build to it. Yeah. Oof. This is, this is, I think, uh, 
this is definitely in my top 10 of my G my GWCW list. I think it, I think I had it at six, maybe six or five. Yeah. I mean, it's an all timer. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's the best match in company history, but I think some have argued it. Like, I, I mean, arguable, I guess I'll say, depending on your time frame as a fan. Right. Right. I mean, probably the best cruiserweight match in WCW history. I would say probably the best cruiserweight match ever, like in North America, like in the main WF, WCW, I think. I know a lot of people like talking about the the one the year before with Ray and Dean. What was that? The Bash? Great American uh, Bash? Six? Great American Bash. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one that everybody... Yeah, that's liked. great too, but no, it's not this. They, I no, mean, they have another match at World War Three, which is awesome as well. They have a rematch. I, I feel like that one often gets overlooked because of this one. But I mean, so, Ray is just so friggin' fast at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's like ridiculous yeah. how fast he is. I think both their no, their names are different because is Ray still spelling? Are they still spelling Ray's last name with an I? M I S T. He never had the I there. That was always that was in Mexico. I think it was. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was always the Y in WCW. Okay. Um, he has the junior so, though. Yeah, the two matches before this show, before this match, you had mentioned Jr. Were three matches in. Yuji Nagata defeated Ultimo Dragon, and Jericho defeated Guido in the first two matches as we got to this one. So Ooh, nice brain buster. Yeah. This match, Eddie is so good, like being paired with Ray because he's got such good, like base snap power offense that he can use that he can't use against a lot of guys, but someone like Ray or other cruiserweights, he can really flip around and like use that really hard hitting aggressive style that he'll use against like Malenko and Benoit and others RVD. But like with someone like Ray, he can really just pummel him and ragdoll him around. And yeah, he's already trying to rip with the mask. And I like, I like the strategy from Ray too, because yeah, he, he'll have to unmask, but he knows Eddie's been trying to tear it off. So he wears a mask that you really can't rip off. It's like part of his bodysuit, So he, he could rip it apart, but I like that. It's like a little, a little strategy from Ray that he wore one that you can't just pull off him. Mm-hmm. That backbreaker was nasty. I mean, he, I mean, he, yeah. you're, you're totally right. JR about the, about the, the, the intensity of the, of the, of the uh the move set like he he because he goes so fast when you get a guy that's lighter and you know at this time eddie didn't have that many guys that were lighter than him um you know he was he was working almost like a heavyweight in this aspect and uh right it was just, he was just firing off stuff like crazy it was amazing yeah i mean good abdominal stretch cranking it in now Na- another nasty backbreaker and just everything he does is so crisp and precise. I mean, I think this, like Eddie's character work in WWE is like fantastic, obviously. But I think as a wrestler, you know, he's great, obviously, like in ECW in 95, 96, but, or I should say 95, he's in WCW by 95, 96, late 95. But I think this stretch is his best mm. in ring. I would say over the right. next, like from when he turns heel in early 97 for that year before he eventually gets in the car accident and all that. Um, and starts having the issue with the drugs and everything. But I, I think, like, in this year, this is, like, his peak in ring. Um, as great as he is in WWE, a lot of it is character-based. Right. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 so big. Yeah, he is great, man. I mean, again, on the one of my watches right now, I'm watching O2 uh, when he came back. And that we talked about it with Chad on the last show. That three match run he had with with RVD in O two was really good. That's when he 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 kind of I feel like when he came back in O two, he oh that was a that's a that was a nice move by uh, Ray there off the, the reversal off the top off the rope there. Uh, I feel like when when Ray came back in O two, um, he kind of had that vicious streak because he just came back so angry and he beat the crap yeah. out of uh, out of RVD at, at Backlash, and they have a good start. I'm about to watch the match from Judgment Day. Um, yeah. And then the, obviously the raw ladder match is good too, but then he gets this part. This Eddie is gone when he, uh, when he hooks up with Chavo and they do the team and they, you know, do the yeah, yeah, yeah. horses and all that. And that all, he doesn't get back to this angry Eddie until he turns heel in 05. Well, and, and he's that. nasty when he first arrives with the radicals too. He gets a little comedy stuff with China after that, but like his right. initial stuff remember he like murders Lita with that power bomb on the floor dislocates yes. her shoulder. <laughs> like he does some nasty stuff in those early months um, with the radicals. But 
you know, where Chad and I are on, on Wrestling Warzone uh, on Orsa Connection every other Monday, we're just starting Eddie's tweener into heel stuff where he's feuding with Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's starting to kind of hint at, at turning heel. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that evolution into being a pure heel uh, in the coming months on Nitro as we do that show. The mask now pretty much ripped, like a giant hole ripped in it. But he's just <laughs> such a prick. His offense is prick level. His attitude yeah. is a prick, prick everything. Eddie, uh, Ray's got this, like, you could see Ray's look at his face. is like, oh, I can't let them see my face. <laughs> Eddie's, doing Eddie's, Eddie's doing a good job of, like, covering his face uh, with his arms while he's doing the cross the crossover. He's totally a uh, gory special Eddie. here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he said uh, Did either of you see this live? Did you watch this live at all? No. I didn't watch this show live. I think yeah. the first time I watched this match was on the um it's on like I think it's on Eddie's first DVD. Yeah. The, yeah, it is. Life cuz cuz they have um they have alternate commentary on there from with Eddie and Ray and um I think Ray was talking about how I guess he was having like issues with Bischoff backstage so that's why mm. Bischoff hadn't put the mask on the line. But um, but he knew that because he was with Eddie, that he was gonna, you know, that everything was gonna be okay between the two of them. I, I don't, I didn't see this live, but I'm pretty sure I saw it pretty quick after, mm. um, as my buddy Jim would record all these for me, and and I'd get the tapes pretty soon after. So I, I'm confident I saw this pretty quickly, and I was I was pretty in on the internet at this point too, so I'm sure it was getting talked about quite a bit. I mean, this is like a crazy month. We talked about a little bit with the Herb Notes, but it's a pretty crazy month in wrestling history. Like, you have totally. this show with the Age in the Cage, which is an infamous match with Hogan and Piper, right? That's the main event. You get this, which is an all-time classic. Pillman passing away. Hell in a Cell debuts. Um, the March to Montreal. Like, DX really forms in October as well. Um, Jeff Jarrett jumps back to WF. Like, that was kind of a big deal. We talked about the Jim Cornette promos earlier. Kane debuts. Like, like there's so much that Rick Rude. Like, there's so much going on in in October of 97. And then even ECW, we talked about it earlier as well, right? Bigelow beats Douglas for the world title. Like, they're on pay-per-view. The WF versus ECW feud is still going on. It's a pretty wild month across the board. Mm-hmm. We're also coming off the... um. Fall Brawl with Hennig turning and joining the NWO and the fucking, isn't the skit like right around, it wasn't too long before this, I don't think, with the My Spot, right? Isn't that after the, isn't that after uh, War Games? No, I think that's before. Yeah, that's the whole point. So it's about a month before. Yeah, Arn retires and is giving Kurt his spot and then then at at Fall Brawl, he jumps him and joins the NWO. So, I mean, it's all within a month of this, right? So, it's, yeah. I guess my point is that that late September through Montreal time frame is pretty wild. And honestly, from there, it's still. But, like, this is just a pretty crazy stretch of wrestling. If you compare it to, like, a year before, October 96, like, WCW's exciting with Halloween Havoc and the NWO, but WF, not not as much, right? So, like, a year later, this the whole scene is so much more chaotic. Um, and that's a great spot. Ray just did a full plancha off the top to the floor. He just nutted him after nutting himself on the uh, on the fucking pole. Um, the rest of this card, see this card. I'm going I'm to give the rest of the matches. This card is a perfect example of what Herb was talking about in terms of like yeah. up and down. You've got so after this match, uh, Alex Wright beats Mongo. That match is dreadful. Um, Jacqueline beats Disco Inferno. Uh, Kurt Hennig, speaking of, defeats Flair by DQ to retain the U.S. title. You have Luger and Scott Hall ends in a no contest, and Larry is the ref. Then you have Savage DDP, the third match of that trilogy in the sudden death match. And then the main, as mentioned, Age in the Cage, Piper and uh, Piper and Hogan. So this match, you have all the undercard guys. The matches are incredible. And then the higher up the cards you go, the crappier the match gets. Whereas, yeah, now- I mean, it's, it, this is a this is a show that's definitely held up as that you just nailed it. Like as a prime example of that time was exactly the show was always proven as a point to that. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. WCW, great undercard, rough main event and age in the cage is like that was one of the big trumpet boys. Because then you look at to your point everybody to bring up bad blood has one of the greatest matches of all time at Hell in a Cell. 
Um, so two cage matches in the same month. Wow. You know, one you got Hogan and Piper lumbering around, and then one you got Sean and Taker. Um, and Hogan Piper had two really good matches. Well, I'm going to say matches, but whatever. Two great performances before that. So, um, yeah, this match was really picking up now. Ray and Eddie are both, both amping it up. Yeah, the Star K96 match, Hogan Piper, is is good because they kind of knew they should have just not wrestled anymore. They should have just done the match at Star K96. was fine too. Scott, I, I mean, uh, Chad and I just covered it. Like, that actually wasn't that bad. It was, it was not that far off from Starcade, and you get the Savage turn. They didn't need the cage. That's the problem. That one, yeah. that one was not necessary. No. I will say, though, I know we haven't really kind of, kind of keep the commentary muted, but I, one thing I will say about um, Bobby, because I know a lot of people don't like his run at WCW, but one thing he actually would really do well is get these these mid-carters over. Like, he always oh, yeah. talked up Eddie, Dean, Ray, Benoit, Jericho. Like, he worked yep. his ass off to get those guys over. And yep. he'd be in awe of their performances constantly. Like, you know, this is the greatest move ever, the greatest match. Like, you know, like this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was a nasty powerbomb. Oh, bomb nice Eddie. Power bomb. Yeah. Eddie's powerbombs are always, like, the best. I mean, he, he always just destroys people with them. The snap on them. He's an underrated powerbomb guy when you look at the powerbomb pantheon. Mm-hmm. Well, because usually guy, the small guys don't do a powerbomb. Powerbomb's like a smoother, you know, whatever. Right. His was a, his was a speed powerbomb, not a – it should almost be called a speed bomb, not a powerbomb, because it was more like just snapping it off faster than holding him up and making a dramatic thing and then dropping him. But Ray is – and we talked about right. it. We're, we're now on – on our new format with guys bumping because two weeks ago when we had chat on mm. um, uh, sting. Oh my God. Sting just took a shit kicking from Vader in that Starcade match. And here we are almost the same thing. Ray's just sitting here and letting Eddie just beat the shit out of him. Oh, um, that was another sick backbreaker. I mean, there's been more ridiculous backbreakers and like Roddy strong would be like, Oh my God, he's a great backbreaker. <laughs> like that's how many yeah. awesome backbreakers have been all through this match. I also Alrighty, think uh, Mike Tanay also brings a lot to here too because he talks up the history of both guys. Yep, really good. That's three backbreakers I mean, in this, this match. That, yeah, this yeah. is three backbreakers in this match that uh, that Eddie has dropped, and they've all been fucking vile. <laughs> Just nonstop action. Yeah. You know, Eddie's yeah, crazy. This match only goes to uh, mountain. 14. Yeah, it only goes 14 minutes, too, so they got a lot in there. <laughs> uh, big finish. Was, Ray, yeah, this, Ray nabs the win. I mean, the finish is awesome with him counter. I mean, he takes the Rana, so Eddie gets to move in, but Ray, you know, just hangs on, hangs on, hangs on, and then nabs the win and the title. Um, and this becomes like – and it becomes a years-long story, right, that – I mean, Eddie does beat him. It's forgotten. I mentioned it World War Three. Like, Eddie does win that rematch. But uh, it becomes later on, right, that Ray is always a thorn in Eddie's side. And that eventually leads to their 05 stuff um, right. where Eddie feels frustrated that he can never get over Ray. Um, as, as evidenced here, as he's kicking the shit out of him after the match. But um, all right, Steve, uh, who would be your MVP of this match? Man, I got to go Eddie. He, he, was yeah. the, he was the man in this match. As great yeah. as as great as performances Ray had, um, this was Eddie's match. And how about your grade? Are you at the full five? I think I am. I think I'm at the full five. It's been it's been a while since I since I watched it, and um, I I had a five then, and I think it still holds up uh, holds up as a five. Yeah, I'm there. I think I'm there. Maybe I, I got to watch it again with the sound fully immersed, and I think I'll I'll get there. Right around it. Right around it for sure. It's a classic, though, and I, I'm glad you picked it. I'm glad you picked a different town than we were expecting, for sure. Um, it's a great start to our journey here. We've had two really cool matches, Scott, that we've covered. And we'll yep. have another one in a couple weeks here on the Place to Be podcast, which we're excited about. So we'll continue to roll on. Uh, so we get some big stuff coming on the 25th, which is next week. We'll have our Christmas special. We talked about it earlier. And then two weeks from today, we'll be back. Uh, with another guest in another town, another match to dig into. So, Steve, thanks for joining us. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. Be sure to subscribe here on the North-South Connection YouTube channel if you're watching there or the Place of the Nation YouTube channel as well, or to subscribe on a podcast application for Place of the Nation Wrestling Feed where you can hear every one of these Place of the Podcast episodes. So, for Scott, for Steve, 
Justin, we're out. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Everyone take care. Happy morning, people will share a world worth